Well, good morning, One Chapel. How are you guys feeling this morning? Okay, that's about mediocre to okay. You guys know how I do. How are you guys feeling this morning? All right, now we're going to get there. Now we're going to get there. Well, my name is Dan Underhill. I am a resident campus pastor here at One Chapel Lake Travis. Um, you guys have an amazing campus pastor here in Russ Walker. Can you guys give it up for Russ Walker? We lovingly call him the chief or otherwise known as robo-pastor. Like, he just doesn't stop. He just, like, just keeps going. Just, no matter what, he just keeps on plowing forward. Well, we've been in a great series called Just One. I want you to look at the person next to you, okay? Look at the person next to you and go, just one, baby. Now, look at the other person that you care less about, right? Look at them and say, you're second, but just one. <laughs> okay. All right. We've been in an awesome, awesome message and a series talking about just one. And a staggering statistic has emerged that 95% of Christians have never led just one person to Christ. And our pastors have been teaching and talking about the parable of the lost coin, okay, the lost sheep, right, given all these examples of how God goes after the one. God will leave the 99 and say, no, I want that one. And it's been commissioning us and encouraging us and teaching us about us going out and finding the one. Because it's not the one's responsibility to go find God. It's not the one's responsibility to go find God. That's why he put us here. When he left, he left us with a commission, the great commission. Go you into that was awesome, the three of you who knew it. That is fantastic. That was a great practice run. <laughs> Go ye into all the, preach the gospel, making disciples among men. So we have all been called, we have all been commissioned. When Jesus took a jet plane up on out of here and said, yo, deuces, I'll be back. Do some work. I'm preparing a house. It's our job to fill the house, okay? So that puts a little bit of a great responsibility on us and an awesome privilege. It is an awesome privilege for us to get to do what we get to do. You see, it feels a little weird, though, because when we talk about this, you're like, okay, they're going to want me to go out and start just preaching on the streets, and I just don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can stand up there with a the mic. Guess what? Good news. You don't have to. Okay? Ready? God has set certain ministry gifts in the house to do that. We just commissioned two more, which is an awesome part of what one chapel does here. But what you must do is you must teach and be looking for the opportunities as you go. So I want to break down that mentality for a moment of being overwhelmed by the go out and win everybody. So look at the person next to you. Anyone, anyone, it's okay. Would your favorite, not your favorite, whichever one. Just look at the one next to you. Say, say, relax. Say, just one. Just one. Just one. You see, we want to make the on-ramp to leading someone to the Lord so much simpler than it seems. It's simple. Just one. Not everybody. Just one. You guys are getting the cat. Oh, this is so good. 
Ready? Just. Just. You guys are seriously AP, okay? You guys are AP, okay? Those of you who don't have kids, you'll pick that up later. You can Google it. But just one. What would our church look like? What would our community look like if the well over 100 plus people that are in this room right now took the next several months, no rush, just relax, and look for just one? It would be great to have to blow the walls out of this church, wouldn't it? Oh, wow. It would be great if we had to blow the walls out of this church, right? Okay. That's your job. Okay? That's our job. That's what we get to do. Okay? Just one. Over the next several months from now till Christmas, think about what would be different if you found just one person. Simple. Just one person and led them to the Lord. If you look to your notes, we've handed out some notes, and if you don't have them, you just put your hand up, one of our ushers will get them to you, okay? But we want to kind of roll through some of this. You know, sharing your faith doesn't have to mean street evangelism. Simply share your faith as you go and where you already are. It doesn't have to be some giant mission with a mission statement and total funding and a business package and a marketing campaign that rolls out. It's just as you go. You're already on the soccer fields with your kids. You're already on the football fields with your kids. You're already at the PTO meetings that are just basically like purgatory, okay? Like, sorry, for me, that's just, I think that's where, like, the waiting period for heaven is. Not that we believe in that, but, but imagine, right? Like, it's just... But you're already at a PTO meeting. You're already doing things. You're already working with people. What about them? What about those people? You don't have to make a giant plan and an initiation and marketing strategy. Just as you go and where you already are, what you have to do is turn on your awareness. You see, I watched an amazing clip, and I'm not going to show it to you today because I have a different illustration that you're all wondering what's underneath the black thing. That's fine. We'll figure that out later. But here's the deal. It was a video, and unfortunately, it was a bunch of girls. They were about college age, and they were all at a baseball game. And you know what they were doing? They were all like, oh, look, I have a hot dog. And, and literally, the announcers kept talking about it, and the cameramen kept going back to it while they're at a National League baseball game. They paid money to go into a stadium to stand in line, get their bags searched, sit down, paid $83 for one hot dog and $53 for a Coke, right? Then they sat down and said, and they went on for hours. <laughs> it was crazy. They went on and on and on and on and on. And they were missing the moment, of what they were originally intended to do. How many of us could that be said of? I know for me, same. Last week, Pastor Russ talked about when he goes to the grocery store, he's like, now see, his speed is different than my speed. His speed is. But he never stops. He's robo-pastor. Me, it is a mission impossible to get through H-E-B as fast as possible. Like, I've got, like, black marks around the floor, like, you know, I'm coming, getting chips, here we go, right? I mean, I get through there as fast as possible when I head down in my mission of doing what my mission is. Meanwhile, the Great Commission is being ignored. And that's what he left us here to do, 
So as you go where you already are, just kind of pull your head up and be more aware of what's already going on. You see, we have to learn to tell our story well. Each one of us has a story. I'll tell you a little bit of mine. You see, I grew up in New Hampshire, okay, in a family that started going to church and then left church. But I didn't make a decision to follow Jesus until I was about 17 years old. I found myself very angry as a young boy, very angry. I found myself in high school fighting on the weekends. Now, you wouldn't think as much in New Hampshire, but there were gangs in New Hampshire, and I was a part of them. And that's what we would get our aggression out because mostly there's not a lot to do in New Hampshire. That's the first thing we were angry about. <laughs> we're just like, there's nothing to do. I'm angry, right? But secondarily, there was a problem in my heart. And so I started drinking. I started smoking dope. That was part of my high school years. I started smoking cigarettes when I was nine years old. Now, that is not to be highlighted or emulated in any way. That's stupid is what that was but it's part of my story. But all along the way in my story, I started getting older and older and watching more and more Christians, and I was watching their lives. I was peeking into their lives. I was watching them and going, I don't want what you have. I was like, oh, you're angry today? And you talk nasty behind all their backs? Mm, no thanks. Oh, we act like this when we walk into church. And then when we're driving home, you better shut your mouth back there, right? How many of you guys ever roll into church and you know you're like, you better, for the love of the Lord, I'm going to kill. Good morning, Brother Ross. Oh, mercies, yes, the Lord has been so good. I will kill you, right? How many of you ever relate? You've got a kid. You've done it. Come on, let's be real in the house of God for 10 seconds. My hand's up first. You know we've done that. And maybe it wasn't even your kid, <laughs> But for real, that's a real part of our life. But I was watching other Christian stories when I was not a Christian yet. And I didn't want to be a part of their story. Their narrative didn't make sense to me as an unbeliever. Because I said, no, 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 man. This is what you get. Face value. You want to know what I think? Ask me. I'll be right up front with you. That's a part of my charm. <laughs> okay. Now, in high school days, I had to learn how to get more mature than that. And what happened was, eventually, there was a girl in my high school. Her name was Rebecca. And she just would ask me what I'd do on the weekends. Oh, I went to a party. I fell down, did this, busted this open, beat this kid up. I got stabbed by this. Do your parents know? No, I had to bandage that up and hide it. She's like, I'm praying for you. I love you. And you know what she did? She loved me. Relentlessly. She never let off the throttle of loving me. She didn't judge me. She didn't condemn me. And she was consistent every day. And it wore me down. Until one day my principal in my high school took me out for a walk. He said, what did you do this weekend, dude? I said, well, I went to a party. I got blind drunk. Fell down a set of stairs. My best friend looked at me and said, you are boop, 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 boop useless. And I remember looking back up at the top of the stairs at him and going, he's right. I walked home, drunk, into my own bedroom. Parents had no idea where I was or what I was doing. And I put a shotgun in my mouth to say, 
no one would even care or know different. And thankfully, I didn't pull the trigger, obviously. The grace of God was on me that weekend. And that Monday, my principal took me out and walked me around the school and he asked me that question. I told him the whole story because I told you I was honest. And then I said, I guess you're probably going to throw me out of school because I was going to a Christian school. See, I wasn't a Christian, but I was smart enough to know that I needed to be somewhere where God had something for me. There was something in me, even though I wasn't saved yet, that knew where I needed to be. He put me in the right space, waiting for somebody to step up. And when my principal said, Dan, I don't think you need to be kicked out of school. I said, really? He goes, are you tired? And I said, I am exhausted. He goes, you're 17, dude. You shouldn't be exhausted. And I said, what do I need? He goes, you need Jesus. And on the stone steps of my Christian high school in Concord, New Hampshire, that's where I gave my heart to Christ. Because a principal took the time to walk me around the city of Concord and ask the question. His job was not to walk me around Concord. His job was to principal a school. It wasn't Rebecca's job to lead me to the Lord. She was, her job was to be a student in school, but she was about her father's business, and he was about his father's business, and it forever changed my life and has changed countless lives beyond it. It's as you go, but we have to learn to tell a compelling story because other people are watching. So I want to give you some practical ways to do that. You can use one word to describe what your life was like before you knew Christ. Figure out what one word describes your life before you knew Christ. What was life like for you? For me, it was numb. I wanted to feel something. Second, find a word that describes when you met Christ. What happened and how did it happen for you? I just told you how it happened for me. And the word for me there was peace. When I broke down crying on those steps, the peace of God rushed over my body. And I've never felt the same since. I escaped that numbness. But then the third word is after. After you met Christ, what did you feel like? What word describes that? What word can you use? For me, passion. If you know me, I'm passionate about the fact that it's Sunday. Like, I'm passionate about pretty much everything I do. Okay? I'm just like, the Patriots are playing. Yeah! Oh, that's because that's, that's you. <laughs> but right? but I'm, I'm excited about air being outside right now. I'm like, yeah, there's air. We all, you guys want to get some? It'd be amazing. We can all go together. Right? But those are words. Take, a, take some time and figure out what those words are for you and spend the time investing in your testimony so you can live your story well because people are watching your show. They're watching. This is what it says. We've got some scriptures here for you. I want to read real quick. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give you a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Check this line out. 
This is Matthew 7. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law of the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard. But it leads to life. And those who find it are few. We always focus on that last part of that verse. But I wonder. God said, give and it will be given unto you. Press down, shake. Yeah. Yeah. Go do. Seek. Knock. Find. Yeah. Okay. Good. Okay. So whatever you wish others would do for you, go do for them. Maybe that's why it's so narrow. Because we get caught in our own rhythms and our own cadence and our own plan that we don't open it up and say, God, what do you want to do today in my office? What do you want to do for these kids playing baseball? What do you want to do in my community today, God? And find those ways. You see, we need to put ourselves in the shoes of other people and ask this question. How would I want someone else to help me? And then do that. Go after it. Do that thing. How would you want someone to help you? And here's an easy way. Start beginning, begin by inviting people into your homes. Right? Begin by inviting people into your homes, and it will become easier to invite them to your church. Just sit around the table. Just sit around the table and eat with them and be normal. They know your kids are crazy. Right? Every, who here has crazy kids? Liars, look at you. I know you people. How many of you have crazy kids? Half of you still lying in church. But here's the deal. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have it all have to have it all mapped out. We don't have to have a perfect plan before we start the game. That's what stops us. You see, the, the Bible tells us we have an enemy who storms around like a lion seeking whom he can devour. You know how he probably does most of his work? By keeping you idle. And doing nothing and stopping you in fear of, I can't, no, whatever. Well, this week it's busy and the kids and I don't know about bath and eh, good game. I don't know if, well, eh, 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 and we do nothing. And God's saying, get in the game. Get in the game. There are people that are dying to hear what you have. Will you tell them? Because I sent you. And we've got to get inside the game. Invite them into your home. We must first build trust with them. That takes time. That takes relationship. Hanging out, laughing, playing cards, eating food, laughing at your crazy kids and going, wow, they really take after their mother, don't they? Whew. Whew. She's crazy. Oh, and, they, and just enjoy life together. This is what Tim Keller said. He says, there have been societies in which people could not trust what the government told them, couldn't trust what the newspapers told them, couldn't trust what inspectors or police would do to or do with them. Those societies collapsed. There's no higher priority for a healthy society than to have truthful communications and news media. I mean, you know, we don't live in a time right now where we can trust many of the sources we listen to. Here's my question. Can our society trust you? Can they trust you in these moments? Can they trust you to tell the truth? Can they trust that you'll be there and you're going to be consistent? Because here's the deal. We have lost our ability to tell the truth when we hush the gospel and keep it to ourselves. The gospel is the truth. The gospel is the only thing that we can trust. Everything else is fractured. 
But the gospel is the rock on which I stand. Every other thing is sinking sand. But we've got to get after it. See, we will erode society when we silence the gospel and the truth of Jesus Christ. We will erode our society and wonder how we got there if we don't tell the truth. See, you and I are called to be great storytellers and truth tellers. And we've got to start standing on that hill and standing up for what's right. Do the right thing and let the chips fall where they may. But you do the right thing. Right now you may be thinking like, Dan, this is a lot. Just one. Just one. Here's my question. Who do you sense God leading you to invest in? Who? Just one. Just one name. I'm going to read some more scripture to you. Actually, we're going to skip Romans. We're going to skip that for now. Because I want to get to a couple few other points and make sure you get to see an important illustration. It's time for us to set our minds on the spirit. And if you go back into Romans 8, it'll tell you it's time for us to set our mind on the spirit. And when we start to have these conversations, we have to remember a few things. We have to embrace their questions. We don't have to have all the answers. Just embrace their questions. Okay? Make sure that you're open and do not come across as judgmental and having all the answers. Because they know you don't. And when you act like you do, you're fake. Be okay with saying, I mean, I really don't know that. That's hard. That's tough. But I can, we can walk through this together. Make sure you're open. Don't come across judgmental or having all the answers. Take your time and don't rush to establish great relationships. Take your time. This should be a process. Hey, come on in here. Sit down. We want to eat. Okay, great. Do you want to know Jesus? That's weird. Okay? Look at your neighbor and go, don't be weird. Don't be weird. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. It takes time. But here's my, here's my question. If we don't help them, who will? I've got a unique little illustration here. This is my friend Bob. Everybody say, hi, Bob. Bob, my daughter named him Bob, which is kind of funny. How many of you guys want to see Bob? Okay, let's get Bob. Let's go get Bob. Let's go get Bob. Hey, Bob. Where are you, Bob? There's Bob. Bob, stay over here. See, Bob is a lot like people. He's struggling right now. Oh, he's really struggling, isn't he? Oh, my gosh, he's slowing his whole breathing. Oh, oh he'll be fine, though. I got a message I got to finish. Hold on. No, wait, no, wait, I'll save him. I'll save him. Ready? Here's my question. How many of you felt uncomfortable watching that fish gasp for air? Why do we feel more uncomfortable about a fish gasping for air when the people around us are dying and struggling? It's a fish, people. I love fish. My daughter would have my hide if I let that fish die. I had to research and Google exactly how long he can be out. <laughs> 
Daddy, I need Bob back. My daughter said, Daddy, I need Bob back. And our father is looking at us going, hey, I need Bob back. Because Bob swam away from me and got himself into some trouble like Dan did, like Petra did, like Logan did, like Russ did, like Steve did. Who's going to go back and get Bob and say, I'll do it. I'll do the job. You see, if he gave us everything, if he gave everything for me, why am I holding back and giving him so little? He didn't spare anything for me. Not one thing, his son. He gave him to me. How can I give him so little? Eben Burke said this, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. So now it's challenge time. Now it's that moment. What are we going to do? See, all I had to do was watch him flop around, and eventually what would happen to Bob? I had to get my hands wet. I had to grab an icky, awkward situation and get involved. It was simple. I knew the answer. The answer is he needed to be back at home. He needed to be back where God intended for him to be the house of God where we can find life and encouragement and accountability. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is good men to do nothing. What will you do today? What will you do? Would you bow your heads with me? I want to talk to two different types of people that are in the room. One, maybe you're here for the first time. Or maybe you've been here a hundred times. Or you've been in church your entire life. But like me, even though you grew up in church and saw church and knew church, it didn't impact your life. It didn't change you. So first and foremost, God brought you here on purpose because he loves you and he sees you. And he wants you back. And it's as simple as a quiet prayer between you and the Lord. He sent his son to hang on a cross on Calvary in order to pay the payment for sin so you can have access again back to him. And it's free. All it takes is a quiet prayer under your breath. You don't have to pray it out loud. You can just say this, Jesus, I choose you. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I want to come home again. And if that's you, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed and nobody really looking around, one, God sees you. But two, I want to see you because you matter to God and you matter to me. And if that's a prayer that you need to pray or you just prayed, with every other head bowed, would you just look up and catch eyes and say, that was me today, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your head right back down once you catch eyes. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you, I see you.
that's a one-time decision that you have to make to set your eternity in order. But you need to tell someone about that. Tell someone who brought you. Tell one of the pastors here. Come up to the prayer team who's all around the room because they're here to pray for you. Welcome to the family. You've always got a home here. The other group of people I want to talk to, they're already convinced. The ones who already knew and already planted that stake in the ground years ago. But God is convicting your heart right now to say, hey, get in the game. Who's going to save Bob? And don't get it twisted. It's not you who saves anybody. But it's your hands and it's your voice and it's your ears and it's your home and it's your community and it's your caring and your loving that gets the job done. It's what God commissions all of us to do. And if that's you, would you be courageous enough to put your hand in the air and say, Dan, would you pray for me? I need to do a better job. This is something I've got to get after because God is calling me to do a better job at this. You can put your hand down. I'm going to pray for you in a minute. But in this moment, there's a card on your seat. And it says, just one. I want to give you this moment. And we're going to be here for just a couple more minutes praying for people. But during this time, I want you to pray and ask God and say, God, who is it that you want me to reach out to and invest in and invite? Just one. Over the next several months, I'm going to start by praying for them. I'm going to start by listening to them. I'm going to start by sharing my story and then inviting them over the course of months. It doesn't have to be next week. But between now and the end of this year, I am going to change that statistic about 95% in this church. Because God wants me to. He's partnering with me. He desires this. And if God and I get partnered up, who can be against us? Take that moment now with that card. But I want to make another invitation to a couple of you. And I'm going to ask you, could we all stand before I ask for this invitation? Could we all just stand together in unity? And if you're here and say, Dan, I want to do that, I hear you, because we're all commissioned. But I need the courage to go. Courage is a big deal, isn't it? Courage is a big deal. It's what either keeps our, if we lack it, it keeps us locked. If we have it, then we bust through. It's the courage that changes the game. But the prayer team is going to be up here in front. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song that's specifically designed to set us free. We're no longer a slave. We're not bound to the same mode of thinking. I'm a child of God. And if I'm a child of God, he wants his whole family back. God's not okay with half of his family not making it to the finish line. He wants everybody back. And he gives us the job of doing it. But if you want the courage and say, would you pray for me? The prayer team and I are going to be here as they lead us in worship. Would you be willing to just step forward and say, I just need courage. Would you pray for me that I'd have the courage to go do this? And we'll be here right in the front the entire time. So Hayden, why don't you go ahead and lead us? And if that's you, don't be bashful. Don't be ashamed. This is what our Father left us here to do for business. We're here to pray for you.
We love you guys. We thank you guys for being with us and spending time. There's a few things we want to make sure. Please take this with you. Take this card that was in your seats. It says just one. On the back, it tells you just what you can do, and you can walk away with that. But I want you to pray and put a name on that. Put it on your mirror. Put it on the dashboard of your car to keep it in your memory banks because it's important. It's our Father's business. You can also get t-shirts. You've seen our worship team wearing these awesome I Love My Church. If it's a little too much to start a conversation, you know what you can do? You can wear a billboard. Everybody wears a t-shirt. It says, I love my church. It just gets the message out there that we're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of who we are. When social media and so many other things are driving other messages that are so negative, why is the church so quiet? Man, put a t-shirt on, walk up in the gym and say, yeah, I'm pumping iron, man. Check out these guns. I love Jesus. Come to my church. No, no, no. Be sweet about it. But there's yard signs. You can throw it. I'm going to put one in my yard. Right in my yard. Boom. There it is. I love my church. I see enough politics all over lawns. I'd rather see the King of Kings and Lord of Lords being promoted than more politics. Okay? There's bumper stickers. There's water bottle stickers. You can put it on your laptop. You can put it on the back of your phone. You can put it on your car if you want. I love my church. That will start the conversation and prime the pump for sure. And if you can't afford one, just tell them out there, say, Dan said he'd pay for it for me, if you can't afford it. There are hungry kids living in Sweetwater in my house. i got to be able to make sure I pay for them too. All right? But seriously, if you can't afford it, I'll buy it for you. Last not least, this week starts Seek First. There are these booklets on your chairs. We would love for you to be with us here in this room, 630 to 730. If you can't stay for the whole thing, that's fine. Come for as much as you want. But if you want to start your year right, come. Start it with prayer, seeking first the kingdom of God and what he wants for your year. Amen? I love you. Let me pray for you, and then you guys can get out of here. Lord, I thank you for the people that are here. We pray your blessing on them. Would you put your hand of covenant and mercy and favor and grace on them? Lord, help us not only to be hearers of your word, but to be doers as well. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.